Hey everyone, this is Neil Hopkins. I play Sportsmaster on CW's Stargirl, and I'm here with Elias in the Man Cave. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal! You're my boy, Blue! You A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh yeah! TV. Nice! Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the Man Cave, your host, Elias. Neil, welcome to the cave. Thanks. Thanks for having me. How are you, man? What's new with you? Um, I'm good, man. Uh, new, uh, just enjoying watching, uh, the show that we worked on a year ago, Stargirl. And, uh, I just watched episode seven with my family last night. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old and it's the first show I've ever been on that they want to watch and can watch. So right. it's, it's really exciting to, to be able to have that, uh, that time together and, and they genuinely enjoy it, which is, which is fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You've been busy, man, the last few years with uh, various TV shows and films. Yeah, I try to stay as busy as I can. <laughs> right. So I want to listen to get to know a little more about you. Uh, where are you originally from? Well, it's kind of a long story. I was, I was born in New Jersey, um, but then I lived in, we moved, to, we moved around a lot. Lived in Pennsylvania, New Hope, Pennsylvania, until I was 10. And, uh, then we moved to Colorado and I lived in Boulder, Colorado from when I was 10 to when I was uh, to finished high school. Um, so that's the place I resonate with the most because I, you know, those were pretty formative years. Mm-hmm. When I was doing some research on you, I noticed that you went to Holy Cross in Worcester. I'm from Massachusetts. Oh, no way. Yeah, I'm from Western Mass. Okay. So how was it going there? What, what town are you from? Uh, East Long Meadow, Springfield area. Okay, yeah, yeah. How was it at going there for four it years? It was great. It was great. It was, you know, Worcester is a, a kind of a dicey town <laughs> to put it. Right. Mildly. Yeah. Yeah. But the Holy Cross was a great school and I met a lot of great people and uh, it's, it's sort of an oasis in, in kind of a not great area. Um, there's actually like nine colleges in Worcester, which is, which is crazy. Um, but for such a, well, it's actually not a that small of a town, but I went back to, to screen a movie I was in recently, not recently, but like a few years ago, I went back to Holy Cross to show this movie I was in and uh, Worcester had not changed one bit. Yeah, I don't think it's changed at all. Yeah, the, the whole like, uh, you know, 90, or the, the whole like 2000s, um, I graduated in 99, um, you know, the whole like hipster scene and, and like organic food, whole foods, they, like all of that just passed it by. And it's, it's like you go, you, we went there and I went with a, with a guy I went to school with who directed the film and, and we were just amazed at how it hadn't changed at all. It was like, a, it was like stuck in, in time. I liked Worcester though. Like I'm not knocking Worcester. Worcester had a lot of character and uh, has a great history, but um, yeah, it's, it's, has not changed very much how when was that that you went back a couple years ago 2014 or 2013 yeah so and we hadn't i'd been back maybe once before since uh 1999 when i graduated Mm. yeah so so how old were you when you kind of had an idea like you wanted to get into the entertainment industry well i was 
I'm also a filmmaker and I, I made a film uh, that I wrote and directed and starred in and as a like thesis project, this program I was in there and they don't have a film, pro I think they have a film program now, but they didn't then. And so I, I was, I guess, kind of a trailblazer there in terms of that, because a few people after me started making films there. Um, so I, I was always interested I think since high school in um, not just acting, but in, in making films. And, uh, you know, I, but I, but the path for me was, uh, you know, I always wanted to be an actor, but not just an actor. So um, I ended up going to graduate school after Holy Cross. I went to American Conservative. And uh, that's where I met my wife. We've been married for 13 years, which is crazy. We have two kids and uh, she's an actor as well. And um, I, so I, I guess college was when the idea sort of became a real uh, thing. It was always scary of like, I, you know, cause when you get out of school, you don't have a clue how to do it, you know, right. whether you're going into film or whether you're going into acting or whatever, you just like, you're just kind of jumping off a cliff. Unless you grew up in the business, you don't really know how you just learn as you go and and uh, I was fortunate in a lot of ways I was able to uh, come down to LA I didn't know anybody down here and uh, after I finished grad school and uh, took a little bit of time but you know I, I was able to make a, a living as an actor and and uh, and I've gotten to make a lot of uh, a lot of films so a lot of mo mostly short films but um, I'm I've, I've kept myself busy um, and uh, it's it's been a, a you know with any career it's a lot of ups and downs um you know you get one part and you're like oh this is it i made it it's all like you know gravy <laughs> from here and then you don't work for a year and you're like what the how did this happen you know but i've been in the business long enough that i come to expect that and so when you accept that about the business and you accept that it's not you don't take it personally and you just realize this is a roller coaster ride then um, it makes it a lot easier to, to, to deal with it because you, you, you start to learn to see the business as it is, not as you would like it to be. Mm. Yeah, it's just, and it's funny because like, you know, like I've had previous guests on, they come on like, you know, like I'm an actor, but I, you know what? I want to learn other things too, just in case the acting doesn't stick around. Well, at least I can go to producing, I can go to filmmaking, you know, whatever you want to do behind the scenes also. Yeah, I was I was always like that from from high school really. Like we used to make my friends and I used to make films in in high school. Like films, I mean they were just like silly videos that we yeah. would make on the weekends that we would shoot in or you know because we didn't know how to edit, so we would shoot in order on the camera. And uh, that's not the easiest way to to make a movie, but it but it it starts to teach you like how you know sequence works and all that kind of stuff, how to tell a story and. So I, I was always interested in, in other things. And, you know, for I'm not one of those actors that's like, if I can't act, I'll die, you know, because I know people that are like that. We're like, I don't want to do anything but this. But I, I've just never been like that. I, I'm an artist. I'm a musician. I do a lot of other things that I sometimes find a lot more gratifying and, and fun than acting. Um, but, you know, I've, I've sort of taken the approach of, you know, why limit yourself if you right. don't have to, you know? Other people do a good job of limiting you without you even trying, so you shouldn't limit yourself. You should do the things that you're passionate about and, and even things that seem like there's no way you're ever gonna break into, you never know. Mm. Funny way of working out. 
uh, what were like some of your favorite like movies and TV shows like growing up, or even like bef- like while you were going for this uh, for like in- to get into the entertainment industry? Was there like certain films or TV shows that pushed you towards this even more? So I was in when I was in high school, Tarantino was becoming big, right? So I've I remember my brother uh, was in London in school, and he told me that he had seen this movie called Reservoir Dogs. And he and and he's like, when that comes out on video, you got to get it. So I rented it and I watched it in like '92, and so I was like a sophomore in high school, and uh, and it blew me away. And I don't know why that movie, because uh, I always loved movies, always. I was a big um, Robert De Niro fan. I loved Robert Duvall. I loved Al Pacino. I loved all those like '70s, um, you know, sort of the golden age of, of or the second golden age of Hollywood, they call it. And uh, I, I was a big fan of those movies. But for some reason, movement in the '90s made it feel like it was possible for someone that didn't go to film school and was just very passionate about making movies. That and so that sort of opened up this idea in my mind of, you know, wow, like maybe we can do this. And that's when my friends and I started making movies on video cameras. And there was something about him that, and his story that inspired me to, uh, and a lot of people, obviously, it, it, inspired, it inspired a yeah. a whole generation of pretty terrible films, but, you know, some really good ones too. And, uh, so that was that that was the first time I ever thought about like being a filmmaker and 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 again even when I was in acting school I never thought I'm just going to be an actor I always thought like I'll use acting as a way to get into filmmaking um and a lot of people have done that John Favreau has done that right um, Scott Cooper has done that a lot of a lot of big uh people who are big directors now started off as actor George Clooney of course um and yeah, so that was that was probably the first time I ever thought about the possibility of it as a career. Of course, you don't know anything. You don't know what the hell it's like. And it's not until you get into it that you start to learn. And it takes years to learn what the business is and what it's not, you know? And we come in with these preconceived notions and not a lot of information. And just about every step of the way, we're sort of shown that, nope, that's not it. Um, so, but it's, but it's because if you knew all the ins and outs of how depressing and disappointing and crushing the business can be, you'd never even try it. You know, it would just be too overwhelming and you would just want to do something else. So every filmmaker, Ben Affleck, I've I've read all these interviews and they say that when they first started out, they had no idea what they were doing and they wish they still didn't because it's sort of like this unfettered freedom that you that you carry into, you know, the start of a career. And that's, that's the funnest part, you know, the beginning. When, when you moved out to LA and, you know, you had a plan and everything, did you give yourself like years or like, like, okay, if this doesn't happen by a certain amount of time, I'm done. I'm going to go do something else. I didn't do that so much, but I always knew that I just, I, I just was delusionally convinced that I could make it, you know, yeah. and delusionally, and you have to be. You really do because it, the business really kicks you in the nuts repeatedly over and over and over again. And you got to be able to withstand it and you got to be able to take the blows because they come and they come at all stages of your career. So, and anyone that's been in the business for any period of time will tell you that, you know. So, um, 
I didn't give myself a deadline necessarily of like, oh, I'm going to make it in two years. Um, maybe I should have, I don't know. But <laughs> I, you know, I always yeah. knew it. I always knew that if it, well, you know why? Because I, I saw other actors and I saw actors that I thought I was better than. And I saw actors that I thought I was as, or could be as good as. And I thought, well, they have a career. Why can't I do it? You know, they're not like some golden God on a hilltop. Like if this person got into the business and figured out a way to make a living notoriety and gets offered cool parts, why can't I do that? So you kind of have to come into it with that idea of like, mm -hmm. why not me? Now, if, if, and I had encouragement off the bat because a couple months after I moved to LA, I booked my first job. Um, funny enough on this DC show called Birds of Prey and now I'm on a DC show. Um, so it's kind of come full circle. It was a DC Warner Brothers show and now I'm on a DC Warner Brothers show. Um, so I had, you know, a couple months after I came to LA and started auditioning, I booked something. So you get a little taste, you know, the hook gets set and you start thinking, oh, this is, this is it. I'm, I'm good to go. I'm, it's all smooth sailing from here. And of course it never is, or it rarely is some rare cases, I guess people, you know, Ashton Kutcher, the story of him, he comes into town and books a part that he didn't even really want. And, and you know, it was that 70s show and he was just famous ever since, but, but that's a very, very, that, that's the exception, not the rule. Um, yeah. So I, I never gave myself a time limit. I, I have in recent years because I'm a father and I have a lot of responsibility now and yeah. you just get so jaded with the business. You get so sick and tired of doing it. Not like I always say to people, I, I love acting. I don't love being an actor. I just don't it's because it's just, it's so much BS and so many hoops you have to jump through and so much um, disappointment and rejection and, 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 and just BS like, where you have a part and they're like, you know, and then it falls through, you know, that happens all the time, you know, so you can't count on anything, you know, you, you just can't until the check is signed. You don't know if it's happening. Mm -hmm. So you, you come to learn that that's the way it is. And like I said, you come to, eventually, hopefully you come to accept it. It took me a little bit too long to do that. I wish I had accepted it earlier and seen it for what it was earlier, you know, rather than what I wanted it to be. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm in a place now, I'm in a much better mindset now mm. where I'm able to just let go of stuff a lot easier. I used to get really mad when I wouldn't get a part. I used to get really mad when I'd see, you know, someone I knew start to take off in their career and get ahead of me. And, you know, I had been in for the same parts and I'd beaten them on other parts and all this stuff. So there's so much compare and despair when you're an actor, you know, you drive down the street and you see someone that you know on a billboard and you're like, why, what, that person sucks, you know? <laughs> And I'm just being real. I mean, that's yeah, every, every sure. actor, every actor thinks that whether they admit that's how they think, that's what they think or not. They, they all think that, you know, so that happens a lot. And, you know, as you become a father and you start being surrounded by different, you know, experiences in, in life and you start realizing you get a bigger, broader perspective on what role being successful as an actor plays in your life. And it really just starts to become for me a job. <laughs> More than a fantasy to be realized, it becomes a job. I mean, sure, I'd love to work with great people. I'd love to work on projects with talented directors and writers. And I'd love to be on a cool show that everyone watches, but I don't need that. What I need to do is feed my family. Right. And, 
you just, you start to realize like it's a job. I need to earn health insurance and I need to feed my family. And those are the priorities and everything else is, you know, just a cherry on top. You're right. I got, I got two kids. I know all about it. Yeah. Let's say you, you come, I always tell people you're second kids, family, that's first. Yeah, it becomes very real and it's cool. You know, you get your, your priorities become distilled and, and you, you don't care as much about the other stuff. It's not that you never care about it, but it doesn't own so much space in your head. Hmm. Yeah. And you do have a show now that everybody's watching. Yeah. I don't know about everybody, but enough people, a lot of people are watching it and, uh, and people love it. Uh, star girl. Yeah. And, and that was, that was a really lucky job and i always say lucky because of course like i can play the part and i'm i I don't think i'm like you know lucky in the sense that like i shouldn't have gotten it but there's a million parts that i thought i should have gotten that went to someone else and you know that's just luck it's luck so um i feel very lucky to be on this show i feel very lucky to have worked with the actors and the showrunner jeff johns and and all the other people and and uh it was a great experience and I hope it gets a second season. I guess we should find out in a few days, but um, it's, it, people love it. And it's just so cool to be a part of the DC universe. I was a big Batman fan when I was a, uh, like, you know, when that movie came out in 1989, I, I was a huge Batman junkie and I used to buy the comic books and, uh, and, and, but I hadn't really been into comic books since then. Um, but for, for there was a time in 20 era in, uh, in like 1989, 1990, where I wanted to be a cartoonist because I'm an artist. And so I, my friend and I would buy all these comic books and then we would just sit there and copy them for hours and try to learn how to draw these figures and all that stuff. And it was something we were really passionate about and wanted to do. So it's really cool to like get to be, actually be a character, the first person to play this character, you know? It's not like a Batman or a Joker where you have like all these other great right. performances to compare and you have to like either go against the expectations or try to one up that person or whatever. It's like no one's ever played Sportsmaster physically. I mean, there's been the cartoon on Young Justice, but to get to play that, to get to originate the role is really exciting. How, so how did you like, how did you get involved with the project? I just thought I mean, I just, my, my agent manager get me auditions and I went in and I read for it and, uh, and I got it. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's just that easy. So, so it was a, it was a live audition. It wasn't a self tape or anything. It was a tape with the casting director. So, okay. um, yeah, there, there's three kinds of auditions. There's auditions where you just tape it at home and you send it in and nine times out of 10, you hear nothing. Then there are the ones where you go in and read with casting and they put it on tape. That's the most common nowadays. You never meet the producers because they're somewhere else. And then um, there's other shows that you go in or movies that you go in and you meet the director and the producers and they work with you and all that stuff. That's more rare nowadays. Normally you just don't meet anybody. And there's advantages and disadvantages to that. But um, this one I went in and I read for the casting director and they just, uh, they taped it and they worked with me a little bit and had me do it a couple times. And it was uh, just in and out, took about, you know, 10 minutes and then I was done. And then two weeks later, I got the part and I didn't know what I was reading for. I knew oh, that, it was that was my next question, actually, yeah. you know, because I know sometimes you guys go in there, you don't even know what you're going for. Yeah. So you go in and, and they have what's called dummy sides where it's not the real sides in the show or it's the real sides, but they've changed all the character names. 
And mine was a little bit of both. Like one of the scenes was the scene where I met Pat Dugan in episode one. And then the other scene was the, uh, a, a scene that never was in the show. Um, so they, um, the, the character was the same character, but the name was different. His name was Scott Miller. I remember it very well. And, um, and then when I got the offer, it said Lawrence Croc slash Sportsmaster. And I said, wait, this isn't the part I read for. And, and then I started, and then I Googled it and I was like, Shit, this is like a, a big, you know, super, this is a super villain. Cause I had never heard of Sportsmaster to be honest. Um, so I, uh, I, I got really excited. I was like, Oh my God, I, I think I just stumbled into something really big. It's a pretty cool supervillain character. Very cool. Very cool. I, I, I immediately started Googling Sportsmaster and I saw the Young Justice version. And then I read about like, you know, he goes back to 1941. I think he appeared first in a Green Lantern comic and he's appeared in Batman comics and you know, still the character, it's Sportsmaster, you know? And I read it and I was like, this is kind of goofy, you know? But then I saw the Young Justice version. And I was like, okay, I guess this, you could kind of do it in a way where it's cool. Uh, but it's still a little corny, you know, it's very like 1940s, you know, and, uh, but Jeff, you know, in all his brilliance, figured out a way to like turn Sportsmaster into like a, a, a funny, cool badass. And, you know, at least I think, and a lot of people think, and uh, it's, it, it was a totally, I don't know if it was a totally different take on the character, but it was a different take on the character. And, you know, he owns a gym. It's funny. Like, it's really funny. And he sort of reinvented all of these, you know, golden age characters from the DC universe. And, you know, he's just, he's great at doing that. And so it's cool to be able to play this character that's got a long history, but this is a different version of it. And there's not all this expectation about who Sportsmaster must be because no one's ever played him before. So... So in a way, you kind of you can kind of like run with them too. Totally, you get you're originating the role, and you're playing yeah. Jeff Johns' version of Sportsmaster. You're not playing some other version. You don't have to stick to whatever this comic set or that comic set or you know this storyline or that storyline. It's you're 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 playing what the show is. That's it. Right. And that's what I in other interviews people have said. You did you feel the need to be like faithful to whatever? And I'm like, no, you're just, you're faithful to the script. The script is is the thing. No one's you know. The star girl is Jeff Johns. That's it. It's his creation and it's whatever he made up. And so he's using all these other characters and he's using elements of each one, but he's also reinventing them in his own way. Mm. How would you describe Larry? He is a very, uh, he's, he's an alpha male, you know, he's a very, uh, he's a happy guy, you know, he's used to getting his way. He's, uh, I mean, how I would describe him looking at him from some other point of view is he's a psychopath, but he has good qualities too. He's a good father. You know, he's not very responsible in some ways. He kills coaches, but he is looking out for his daughter and he loves his daughter and he loves his family and he loves his wife. And he's very passionate about that. And he's very passionate about fitness. and He's very passionate about self-improvement and you know he he becomes this weird mentor to pat which is a great device that jeff created and 
you know, he genuinely likes Pat and he genuinely cares about him and he wants him to improve because he likes to, he likes to take people and, and make them better. You know, he has the, the thing when he's working Pat out in the gym where he's like, you know, my dad used to say that pain is your, you got to make pain your friend. So he really believes all that stuff. And he really is passionate about his gym and everything. And that's what I love about the show is it develops these villains and doesn't, they're not just these two dimensional characters. He gives them, you know, kind of a little backstory and they have other lives. In fact, they have other lives that they've been living for the past 10 years when they weren't being real, you know, villains. What's been like your favorite weapon to use? Because I know he's used a lot, he uses a lot of sports weapons. I love the bat, you know, because the bats, that's like his, that's, that's like his thing, his, yeah. His jam. That, that's, yeah, that, that's his favorite. Um, the bat is a very intimidating, scary, versatile weapon. Um, it can kind of work as like a sword and, you know, a club at the same time. You know, he, he's like parrying and sword fighting with Stargirl with it. And then he's also, you know, and then it's also a missile launcher when he hits things with it. You know, he hits his baseballs. So it's a really versatile and, like I said, intimidating weapon. There's mm -hmm. not too many people would like to get hit with a baseball bat. It's it's pretty it's a pretty gruesome, scary weapon. Um, but then he also likes the hockey stick, and you know he likes the. I love the shuttlecock dag. That was hilarious. Um, it, it's so you can have so much fun with it, and Jeff did such a good job of making it funny, but not too campy. Like it's funny, but it's also like dangerous. You know, he beats yeah. the crap out of our man. And he doesn't care that he's a kid. He doesn't care if it's a teenager. He he's just going all out, full tilt. Well, you're a supervillain. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any moral qualms. Yeah. And that's one of the fun things about playing a, a villain as opposed to a hero is you're not encumbered by morality. You 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 just do you know you you react from your lizard brain and you uh, you do what you want and there's nothing. There are no obstacles when you're when you're a psychopath. There's no moral obstacles to getting what you want. You just get what you want. What was that? So when you went in there, like, what was your reaction when you first put your suit on? Well, it wasn't that simple. It was a long, months-long process of getting the suit made. So I'm going to this place called LJ Supersuits, and the, the, the designer, LJ, she makes the suits for all the shows on DC Universe. She makes the shows for all, all the shows on CW. She makes that the Amazon show, The Boys. They, they just do incredible work. They're like the super suit uh, maker in Hollywood. And uh, you go in, they take all these pictures of you almost naked. They take every single angle of you imaginable. I had to get a cast on my head for the, to, to, so they could make a mold of my head and make a mask that would fit just my head. And then um, you have to, you, you, you know, they show you the design. They have a mock-up design of it, and, and it looked exactly like the design. I think it was actually even better. But it's, it, I think I went back eight times, nine times. Wow. It's up, it's up in North Hollywood, and it's a long, you know, drive from where I live. And there was a lot of uh, schlepping back and forth to do these fittings, but it was fun. You know, it's like I'm going to get a super suit. How cool is that? You know? how, many, how many people can say that? Exactly. How many people get to play a superhero or a supervillain on a TV show? It's, it's, you could count them all on, you know, maybe four hands. Um, so it was, it was a long process. So it wasn't like one day I just put it on, you know, it was like gradual iterations of it that weren't finished yet. So I saw it at every single step of the way. 
And, but when we finally did the camera test before we started shooting the pilot, that's when it all came together because we got to see every character in the show. And there are a lot of characters on the show uh, in their super suits. And we did like these camera tests where they would like play music for your character and you would like walk around as the character. You wouldn't say any lines, but you would like act like your character and you would just sort of make stuff up and do moves. And I would like twirl the bat and all this stuff. And they played that song Thunder by ACDC for Sportsmaster, which was so perfect, you know, because Jeff already has his whole playlist for every character in the show. And it was, it was, that was when it like finally became real because everyone else got to see the costume. Because me seeing it was one thing, but when you see everybody else's reaction to it, that's when it becomes real because you're like, oh, this, this is a badass costume. What's your kids' thoughts about you playing a supervillain? They love it. Yeah, they love it. They love, you know, the fandom. You know, I show them these. I get all these DMs on Instagram from fans, and I show them to my daughter who's nine, and she just gets such a kick out of it. And she loves the show. Every time the show, every time an episode, and she like she wants to see the next episode. And they're teasing it out episode by episode. They, you know, they didn't just dump them all, which yeah. is really smart because it builds up anticipation and buzz and all that. And she's she loves it she loves my character she thinks i'm funny she thinks i'm she loved the fighting in episode six so they love it it's just they're they're absolutely tickled by it awesome so the, the show's on cw and you're, you're like have you been fans of like have you been watching like the flash at all or like batgirl or even yeah, a couple Carol? years ago i haven't seen batgirl but a couple years ago my wife and daughter started watching the flash and I didn't watch all the episodes, but I watched a lot of the episodes mm. and, uh, and, and we really all got into it. It became something we all watched together. And this was before I, I knew who Jeff Johns was or any of that. And then they started watching Arrow and we started watching that, but it was a little too violent for my kids. So we right. stopped watching that. But you know, those two shows, like I was, I was into it. I've never seen Supergirl or, or um, Batwoman, but I, I really liked uh, Arrow and Flash. Would you like to see your character do a crossover, like when they do like those crossover episodes? Hell yeah. Why not? Right? More Sportsmaster. Yeah. No, I, I, love, I, I, I love playing the character. I have so much fun playing the character. And like I, I've said to many people, if I could pick one character on the show that I could play, if I got to choose, I would pick Sportsmaster. And what was like your favorite scene for this season? Well, there are favorite scenes as Croc and there are favorite scenes as Sportsmaster. The favorite scene as Sportsmaster, without a doubt, is episode six, that huge epic fight in the parking lot, you know, in the scene in the hallway where we run up the wall and do all that crazy shit. That's awesome. And uh, my favorite scene as Croc is the scene where we confront the, co well, I love the scene where I train Pat. But I also love the scene where we confront the coach in the parking lot because it's just such a great scene. This was a 13 episode. Do you think if season two comes out, it'll be 13 again? I think so. Yeah, that's I good. I like, I like seasons that are getting a little bit shorter now. 20, 20 something is getting too long. Yeah, 22 episodes, that's a lot of episodes. You're gonna have, you, you do 22 episodes, it's going to be at least five of those are going to be filler. True. Yeah. Because yeah. they, they got to, they when you have 20, a 22 episode arc, you got you to gotta tease the story out really slowly. I think uh, 13 is, is a good, you know, like sweet spot for. Plus, you can work on other projects. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as it was, 
Stargirl took up, you know, uh, our whole year. I mean, we were, we were filming from the end of February until uh, middle of September, beginning oh, wow. of September. So that's, that, that took up the lion's share. I, I, I did one other movie in that time that I was able to do when I wasn't in a couple episodes, but I was in most of those episodes. I'm in nine out of 13. So, um, you know, it was, and we had to fly to Atlanta and, and all that. So it, it, as it was, it took up a lot of our time. So that one gets filmed in Atlanta, huh? Yeah. It's funny how that one's in Atlanta, but like Flash is at Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. There's a few of them in Vancouver. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense to shoot it in Atlanta because it takes place in middle America. It takes place True. in Nebraska. So there's a lot of towns in Atlanta that, you know, in the surrounding Atlanta metropolitan area that, that look like it could be Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So it makes a lot of sense. Plus, they, they had these huge, huge stages um, out on the outskirts of Atlanta that they used. There were two massive stages that were storage places. They weren't actual, like, sound stages they weren't you know like you go to LA and there are places that were constructed to film in but these are places that were not constructed as sound stages they're just these giant hangars you know so there were two of them that we shot at that's where the studios were and they built these huge sets in there and uh it was the biggest thing I've ever worked on I was on Lost that was a big show but this was bigger that's right that's right is there uh, any any other projects that uh you got coming out Right now, you know, with the pandemic and everything, it's just, it's been dead. Yeah. So I, I just, uh, I have to put myself on tape for something today that shoots up in Montana. Um, and I put myself on tape for something yesterday. It's starting to come back, but it's been dead since March. I mean, everything shut down. So um, it all kind of ground to a, to a halt. There's some production going on, but. Yeah, I, I read that. Know. Yeah, but I don't know how they do it safely. I really don't. My wife was in the middle of shooting a series up in Portland when, when this hit and uh, they were shooting 10 episodes for this TBS show and they got halted. So they have four more episodes left to shoot. And um, so she's been on, on hiatus, forced hiatus for four and a half months and uh, or four months, I guess. And um, they're saying she's going to go back into production in August, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Mm. It's funny because, like you said, like half those CW shows, they got they stopped early this year, and they're not coming back till February. Yeah, yeah, they had to make a lot of hard decisions. So, like maybe even like Star Girl, if it gets picked up for season two, you might not even get it until like a summer release. Uh oh, yeah, for sure, because it takes a long. Obviously, if you've seen the show, there's a ton of CGI, and there's a lot of you know they already have the super suits built, but. You know, so that, that, cause those take months. Um, but they, uh, and they already have the sets built. So it's not gonna, you know, the, the wind up is not gonna be as long as it was for the first season, but you know, they, they have to figure out how they're gonna write it in such a way to keep right. actors and, and crew safe. Neil, how can, the, how can the listeners find you on social media? You can find me at Neil E. Hopkins on Instagram. I'm on Facebook too, just Neil Hopkins. And I'm on Twitter. Also, Neil Hopkins, Neil E. Hopkins on Twitter is my handle. And my Instagram and Twitter handle are the same. I'm mostly these days on Instagram. I really just <laughs> kind of scroll Twitter to read the news, but um, I, I don't I don't do Facebook as much anymore. I'm mainly on Instagram. So yeah, hit me up. All right, Neil, this was fun. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. 
That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast. And our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time. Time, time, time.